and welcome to The Turning Point, a weekly show that's being created to help you overcome the challenges of having the career you always dreamed of. Together, we're going to be learning how to overcome those obstacles that may stand in your way. My guests will give you an insight into their own turning point and what issues they came across when starting their journey to a happier working life. Today's guest is the one and only Chris Ducker. Uh, a very f- unfortunate slash fortunate circumstance led to this interview today, only in speaking of guys in the last, last few minutes. So uh, <laughs> without further ado, um, he needs some intro, is Chris Ducker. So welcome. Thank you very much, mate. It's good to be here. And I'm so glad that you uh, you were the first to you know, respond to my Facebook post mentioning I'd been stood. Who stands people up nowadays for podcast interviews? Who does that anymore? crazy tell me about it yeah, yeah. but the good news is it's times. opened the door for you and i to talk and i'm all about that so that's good it has indeed so without further ado um like i'm like we mentioned and we're talking about the turning point of people's lives so you've not you've not been this person that you are all of your life nope. uh and there was a, a defining point on a, a flight home from business trip wasn't there where you decided to go your own yeah so if we could if we could talk about what you did before then and then what led to that decision i guess Sure. Yeah. Well, look, my my background obviously is you know it's UK based, London. Uh, I was in the publishing game for a long, long time. In fact, actually, I was in the publishing game pretty much my entire career in the UK, but not in uh, editorial. I was in sales and advertising and event organising and all that sort of stuff. And um, two thousand, uh, after you know eight nine years in the in the industry, I was offered a job uh, over here in the Philippines and. Um, Accepted it, came over, worked for one of the international banks for two years, end of contract, wanted to carry on, but they didn't want to carry on giving me more money. So I broke away and got involved in the infomercial business. So um, imagine sort of, you know, the the 2 a.m., you know, QVC type stuff, but wait, there's more and all that kind of stuff. That was me for a few years. Um, and uh, the defining moment for me um, was actually working for an extreme extremely successful guy, like super duper successful um, guy based out of Miami in Florida. And I was working with him for a couple of years, uh, doing all of his international sales distribution. I would do the odd voiceover for him. I would help with script writing and pretty much helping him across the board with pretty much everything in his business. And I was in Miami for an entire month as we shot the latest infomercial and we did a couple of other things as well. And he was just, he was, I just realized that trip, I was done. I was done working for him. I was done working for other people. It was time for me to be in control of my own business destiny, plain and simple. So what was it particularly working with him that made you take that decision? Well, was, it sounds like it was quite a profound thing. Yeah, well, he was a super nice guy. And I mean, like, I mean, with, with the grace amount of respect, he was a very, very nice guy to be around. Very professional guy, uh, extremely successful, like crazy, crazy successful. I learned lots and lots and lots from him uh, in regards to how to run a business and honestly, how to not run a business as well. Because the one big issue that he had was that he ultimately was the worst micromanager that I've ever come across in my life, period. And that that was something you thought, yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally to the point where he would get a copy of every single email I received. And he would also ask me to BCC him into every single email 
as well. So it was a serious micromanagement issue. Uh, I think probably at first it was more of a trust thing because he'd been done over a couple of times with with past management stealing, you know, uh, uh, you know, clients and whatnot. But I mean, that that must that must be how it comes across being working working for that person. Because if that was me, I'd be thinking this guy doesn't really trust me to do my job or what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's how it came across to me. But I got it. I totally understood it because I knew the background um, and not just from him. I knew the background from somebody else as well. So I know he wasn't sort of trying to pull a fast one on me. Um, but the bottom line is that it just, you know, after a couple of years, I was making great, great money. Uh, I, you know, we just had our third kid and I was just saying to myself, something's got to change here. And, uh, you know, I was luckily in a position where, um, you know, I could break away and, and start utilizing the contacts and the know-how and the experience that I've amassed over that sort of sales and marketing career all my all my life and decided to set up my own firm. And that was the catalyst. In fact, actually, I wrote the resignation email at 37,000 feet on a Cathay Pacific flight coming back from Miami to the Philippines. And I hit send when I landed in, in Hong Kong airport. And uh, yeah, that was it. That was the day I became an entrepreneur, I often say. I love that. Riding on the plane on the way back. Literally. Let's face yeah. it, most of the movies are terrible anyway. <laughs> they are. They are. <laughs> so soon, because my next thing was going to be, well, was it a quick decision? But you've already answered that. It was pretty much instantaneous. Do it on the flight. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, ultimately, you know, it, it, it had been kind of like, you know, niggling away at me in the background for a while that I wanted a little bit more. I wanted more control. I wanted more opportunity. I wanted more of just being able to kind of just do what I wanted to do a little bit. And I knew that I, you know, I, I had chops. I had some business chops under my belt. I knew that I knew what I was doing. And uh, I, the reason why I was making great money with the guy was because I was doing a very good job for him. So, you know, I'm not lacking confidence in any way, shape or form. That's not an issue. That, uh, And it was, like I said, niggling away at me for a while. And then, you know, I spoke about it a little bit before I left the States on that trip with my wife uh, via Skype. Uh, and she basically just turned around and said, like, you know, whatever you want to do, I'll back you up 120% of the way. Um, you know, I, I want you to be happy and uh, I want you to feel like you're living, you know, your life the way that you want to. And if you're not feeling like that right now, then, you know, we have to make some changes. And uh, that was all, that was the green light I needed, man. You know, once you get your, once you get your partners or your spouses, um, you know, go ahead on something. If you ignore that sign, um, you know, all the more for you. Because uh, if I had have ignored it, uh, ignored it, I I probably wouldn't be where I am right now, and uh, I'm doing much better now than I was all those years ago. I mean, that's that's the entire purpose of all these conversations I'm having with people is because not everybody's got that immediate confidence uh, or that person to fall back on to, to make such a profound change. Because um, it's I often use the analogy of relationships in, uh, I mean, personal relationships with, uh, compared to careers mm-hmm. is that you, you get up at 7am, uh, a lot of people get up at 7am and they don't get home until 7pm. So they spend most of their, most of their life at an office where they could potentially be miserable and want to make a change. Yet you come home and you spend a, a small amount of hours, maybe three or four in an evening, an hour in the morning with the wife or the partner. Yet things divorces seem to be much more common but why do anything but where we're spending most of our time yeah yeah 100 percent. and so you know you get the green light 
you got to move with it. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, there's a, from the people that I've spoke to, there's, there's a number of different sort of factors that dictate whether they um, make this leap into, it might, it might be uh, running their own business or it might be just getting a new job that's something completely different. And I thought that, I mean, being a bit naive to the subject, I was just thinking that everything would just be financial or, uh, you know, the worry about having money coming in, pay the mortgage, pay the bills. But it's quite nice to see that everybody's got such a different point of view and all of them have sort of, some of them are either profound like that where, yes, I got a green light from the wife, uh, but some are just, they just use it as a base layer just to know that they've, the part that supports them, but there's another deciding factor on the top of, on the top of that as well, uh, and it's the, those um, emotional injections of support that kind of make the difference and push people towards the, what they want to do. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And look, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't worried, right? Um, you know, like I said, I was making very good money with the guy, very good money indeed. And um, it was a gamble. It was a gamble, uh, you know, to decide to go out on my own and do my own thing and, and try and set something up and build it and handle the BS that goes along with all that and everything else. But you know what? Um, the bigger fear was being stuck on a hamster wheel for me, um, either for the guy that I was working with at the time or for somebody else. That was the bigger fear was being stuck on that hamster wheel and stuck making money for somebody else instead of myself and my own family. And uh, that was, you know, that was enough to get me off. Well, there's also the fact that it's using the risk as a, as a motivator because it gives you some excitement and wills you to push on. Sure, exactly. So uh, when, you've made, when you made this, this jump and decided to go your own way, um, Pardon the pun for Fleetwood Mac fans there. Um, what was what were the obstacles that kind of stood in your way there? You what what things did you think? Oh, shit, I, I didn't realise I, I needed to know that. So the steep learning curve. What what were the first things? Well, um, you know, I I we decided we were going to go with a call center opportunity. Uh, I had helped several people set up. Uh, smaller call centers here in the Philippines as a, kind of a, a one-off consultancy type thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I knew enough people in the industry. I knew that I could ultimately sell the service. Uh, you know, I, again, have no lack of confidence in my sales and marketing ability, regardless of whatever industry or product or service I'm, I'm marketing and selling. So I was I was happy to take the risk in regards to that side of things. And the other thing is, you know, the BPO or the call center uh, slash outsourcing world uh, here in the Philippines um, was really booming, uh, you know, mid-2000s. Mid and uh, it was the right time to jump on board and utilize the talent and the, uh, you know, the Americanized English-speaking uh, skill set of the Filipino worker over here as well. So it was kind of like the stars, uh, you know, I, I hate to say, but the stars did align, you know, the market was solid. Um, I knew I could bring in the clients. I had enough contacts internationally after working internationally for so long to reach out and ask for some intros and ask for some suggestions on certain things. And I did just that. And, uh, you know, when we got going, I was doing exactly what uh, I'd, I'd been taught to do many years ago. And that was, I was cold calling. That's exactly how I got my first hand 
handful of clients. Uh, we didn't even have a website. <laughs> we were still building the website for the first few weeks. And I started just reaching out to people that I was finding through Google searches that I thought could, you know, could do with the, you know, the customer service or the lead generation services that we had put together. And, uh, you know, it was hard. It was a hard slog. I was doing 200 dials a day for a good six weeks. And, uh, you know, we brought on board enough, enough clients, you know, a handful or so of clients to have 10, 15 members of staff within the first few months. And, um, you know, it was kind of off to the races at that point. So you, just there, you said that you're doing 200 calls a day for like six weeks. Yeah. Um, obviously not, not every one of those w- would have been successful. So it, it could no. be quite demotivating. I mean, on the other hand, when you get, when there is a sale, it's going to be such a, an elation, but it, it can be demotivating. So what, what did, what was your driving force behind that and trying to keep the momentum going? Cause it is hard, isn't it? Especially at the start when you don't, and there's no, when there's not necessarily any instant success. I know that's not what the purpose of it is, but it, it, it is sure. quite hard. No, I, I get it totally. Uh, my, my motivating factor was quite frankly, that I knew that it was, was expected to get rejected and hear all the no's because uh, I had been doing it. That that was my career. That's how I started at the age of 17, part-time calling for auto trader. So, you know, I, I had been in the telemarketing slash telesales world since day one of my career. And I knew that, you know, if you make enough dials, you, you put forth enough good quality pitches and you learn how to handle your objections properly as a good sales professional, uh, you will eventually start hearing some yeses. Uh, and I knew, you know, the numbers never lie, man. The, you know, the, 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 uh, the percentage in, in, the, in the telemarketing or the telequalifying game is what it is. You have to hit 100 dials to get 10 good quality pitches to get a couple of yeses out of it. And so I just, uh, you know, I, and, and obviously the first week and a half, two weeks was a complete and utter waste because I had no real idea what I was really pitching. <laughs> you know, like you, you've, got to, you've got to figure out what your pitch is uh, in that situation. So I, I'm well aware of the fact that I probably blew a few really good quality leads in that first couple of weeks of cold calling because I didn't really know how to handle the objections properly and all the rest of it. But you learn, you learn on every single call and you make mental notes or written notes on, on you know, a certain amount of objections that you will hear over and over again. And you say, right, these are my top five objections. I'm going to go ahead head and learn how to overcome those objections professionally and, and, and in a way where I'm pitching benefits and features and not just talking about how much money you can save or this and the other. So it was, it was you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a tough slog to begin with. But like I said, you stick with it because uh, I knew that the outcome was going to be there because I'd been doing it for a while. So if we, that's sort of the um, absorb and apply sort of um, saying, isn't it? Yeah. Taking what, what you learned and spin it around, fix it and throw it straight back out there and move on and become better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, there was, a, I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee. Um, and uh, Bruce helped me through my teen years a lot. I got bullied as a kid and all the rest of it. Um, but I, there's one quote of Bruce's and, and a lot of people don't know about Bruce's. He was way more than just the Kung Fu movie guy. Right. I mean, he fundamentally put that genre of film on the scene. Right. But he was actually a philosophy major at the University of Washington um, and a very deep thinker of thoughts. And this one 
quote has stayed with me and many quotes from Bruce to say with this one quote I always believe is so, so important, particularly for entrepreneurs and people that feel like they have something that they can share with the world and help people solve problems with. And I'm going to give you the quote. It goes like this. It's knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. And it's so profound to me um, to be able to think of those words as and when I feel like, you know, I'm kind of dragging my heels a little bit. Uh, and back when we started the business, knowing is not enough. Knowing how to do this is not enough. I must apply. I must apply. And willing to do it is not enough either. I must do it. And uh, that's why I hit the phones like crazy. And we, you know, we, we launched the business in probably the most traditional way you can think of. For a call center, we cold called for business. It was that simple. <laughs> it's very meta if you think about it. <laughs> um, so if we kind of fast forward a little bit, because um, I, from following you on the social channels, I know a bit more of the story about you, which some of the listeners will. But for those that don't, so let's just Let's just sort of hit some some key points in where you're up to now and what what you've done along the way. Because I know there's a there's a quite a significant point where you had a, a bit of a bad time, didn't you, with the business personally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I you know I was your tra- you know I was very very much your traditional workaholic, a type entrepreneur. Uh, we launched a business, and a few years after, uh, you know, I'd been doing fifteen odd hours a day, um, pretty much seven days a week. Uh, for a few years trying to grow the business. Um, and we were successful. I mean, we were doing well. We had 130, 140 people working through to the end of 2009, you know, seven-figure business. Uh, and Some um, good growth. Some good growth. I know, great, great growth. Great growth. I mean, you know, um, I don't believe that luck plays much of a part in business. I believe that uh, we grew the business because I chased it down, plain simple. I chased the business down. And uh, I worked hard to get that business up to the point where it was in, you know, just a few years. But the direct result of that was that I fundamentally put myself into the floor. And in late 2009, I hit burnout in a big, big way. Uh, and um, we're talking hospital, antidepressants, lo- you know, weight loss, the whole kit and caboodle. And uh, that was the catalyst for me now to focus on how I was going to carry on building my business moving forward. And so in 2010, January 2010, I launched uh, a blog, uh, which was virtualbusinesslifestyle.com. And uh, with that blog, I launched a mission to become a full-time virtual CEO by the end of 2010. And every every week I would write about what I was doing to remove myself from my business a little bit more. I talk about the challenges, talk about the highs and the lows. And man, by the end but by the end of 2010, not only had I achieved the goal, but I'd also gotten myself about 5,000 pretty loyal email subscribers for my blog. I'd started a podcast. I was interviewing other people in the online business world, and I really started to utilize the internet properly for growing my own business. Um, and it kind of just all grew from there and and henceforth opened up the doors to the online business career and the personal brand and the publishing deal and everything that went with it. And I guess you never looked back. Well, yeah. I mean, I try to. It's funny. You know, some people say, no, I've never looked back. You know, I try and look back. Uh, I, th- I think um, that, you know, being acutely aware of what 
you did back then, back when you hit burnout or back when you hit that goal or, you know, back when, you know, you closed that great deal or when you lost that big client, what did you do? What were all the things that you did? Um, to have, I try and look back as much as I can. Uh, sometimes, you know, the world moves at a very fast pace, particularly online. So it is becoming a little harder uh, to look back nowadays, uh, but I still try and do it on a regular basis. I think I think it's a profound way of of truly appreciating what you've got. And uh, as as people can see on uh, your social channels, you're very much a, uh, a family man and a, a very big team player with the staff members as well, and uh, especially in the call centre because they always see the photos where you're hanging about with them and things like that. So it's yeah. It's obviously important to you that you have the core team and you treat them well so that they treat you well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have, I've got now, we're up to about 480 people full time. Uh, I only work, you know, with about 25 of those people closely. The rest of them, in fact, the large majority of them, I don't even know their names, quite frankly, because I have genuinely removed myself from the business. Um, I'm only in the facility once a month or so uh, for a couple of hours worth of meetings. Um, but my management team, like you say, my core employees, my core management are very tight with me. Uh, we put a real emphasis and a genuine premium on the importance of company culture. Uh, we're all about spending as much time together as we can. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, for me, it's important for me to lead my team. I, I've always said I'm not the best manager, right? I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not a manager. Uh, I like to solve problems and I like to create stuff, right? There's a nice technical word for you, right? But um, what I can do and what I've been told I'm very good at doing is leading, leading teams, leading projects, leading initiatives, whatever it is. And so I thrive in that environment where I'm leading people. And I often say to, to, my, to my management team, it's like, this is a battle, man. Like every day when we are building our business, when we are solving problems, we're running and supporting our business every single day and the clients that come along with it, we're going to battle. And my role is to lead you into battle every day, whether I'm doing it physically in front of you or I'm doing it virtually on the other side of the world. My role as your leader is to do just that. So you must rely upon me, but you must, without a doubt, have unwavering confidence in me as your leader. If you do, I will very rarely lead you in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm lucky to have that respect and that confidence with my team and they get it right back from me as well. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it, that all comes from hard work from the from the get-go, really, doesn't it? It's about putting things, getting the right people in place and setting the right tone from the off. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just, um, I know we're running out of time. So we, coming back to the sales thing, so I'm a big believer in that people buy people and they don't buy the service as such on a it's particularly in our industry because mm -hmm. uh was a hacksaw studio anybody can get a website built for a couple hundred quid but yeah. if they want something to be correctly they don't actually buy the website design uh or the build they actually buy the knowledge of the people behind that so they get the best outcome possible and i know you're a big purveyor of sort of self-brand and showing off experience and things like that so 
how do you, I know that's sort of at the forefront of what you, you're doing at the minute, but how did you sort of get that off the ground? Well, the brand, you know, the personal brand kind, kind of came about from the blogging and the podcasting, quite frankly. And I noticed that even though the blog was called Virtual Business Lifestyle and so was the podcast under the same name as well, when I would overhear people or whether I would see things on social or I would hear what people had said about me from, from you know, mutual friends and things like that when I wasn't around, it wasn't do you read Virtual Business Lifestyle or do you listen to the Virtual Business Lifestyle podcast? It was always, have you read Chris Ducker's podcast or, or Chris Ducker's blog or listen to Chris Ducker's podcast? And so it kind of just came about like that. And so in 2012, middle of 2012, I made the very clear decision to focus in on that element much, much more. And we actually changed the name of the blog from Virtual Business Lifestyle to just chrisducker.com. And that's where everything I do now, all of my businesses reside at chrisducker.com uh, and all my initiatives from a thought leadership perspective, speaking and the membership community that I have and all that sort of stuff, it's all at chrisducker.com. So I blog there every week. I podcast there every week. I'm about to launch a YouTube show, which will be weekly as well. And all that is free content that I give out there to try and help people as much as I can when it comes to building a business based around their personal brand and the people that they want to serve best, right? So these are people like coaches, consultants, bloggers, podcasters, experts, authors, speakers, anybody that's building a business based around their personality and what they can do for other people when they come into contact with them. And the moment I zoomed in, Dan, this was the big thing, man. The moment I zoomed in on that personal brand element and I said, no more smoke and mirrors, no more hiding, because I used to pull back on my words from time to time. I used to pull back on what I would write about or record about. And I said, you know what? From this moment onwards, what you see is what you get. If you don't like what you're getting, you can go somewhere else, sod yeah. you, literally. And the months. moment I did that, the floodgates opened. Six months later, I got a book deal. Then the keynotes, you know, the keynote invites started coming in. Like, I never would have thought, I'm just a guy from Wimbledon for Christ's sake. I never would have thought that I'd be getting paid to speak in front of 1,200 people in Vegas. Like it, it, it just, you know, it, it wasn't on my radar. But all this came about because I decided, I mean, the very, very solid, you know, acute decision. I use that word a lot, acute, because you want to get, zoom, you want to zoom in and get laser focused here. The very acute decision that I was going to focus on building my brand and helping people as much as I could through serving first not selling. You serve, it, don't sell. Yeah, and it becomes much more real when you become who you actually are. There's no right. facade. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So over over the things that we've just spoken about, which is a, a great, a great, great story, um, would, do you have any sort of pick-out moments or sort of key bits of advice for people who are on the, the cusp of making a change or in the middle of it? What's what's the biggest thing that you that you feel you've either come across or learned or the biggest tip even? You know, the funniest thing is that it's so simple, this tip, but it's so important. And I think a lot of the time people overthink their decisions for whatever reason. But here's my here's my big, super successful business tip, right? You ready for it? Let's go. <laughs> and, and that is to quite simply follow your gut. It'll very, very rarely let you down. You will almost always, almost always uh, regret saying the word yes more than you will do the word no. Learn how to say no and follow your gut. It'll very rarely let you down. 
And there we are, people, the successful tip, the big business tip. Um, so uh, <laughs> plain and simple, Chris. I know, right? It's, it's where it matters. You know what the funny thing is? It's, it's the simple stuff, Dan. It's the simple stuff that people, they, they, they skate over it. They want to push it to one side because they feel like they're copping out to a certain degree by making it too easy. Um, but, you know, there's an acronym of K-I-S-S-S or, or KISS, right? Or is it keep it simple, stupid? It's so true. And when we try and overcomplicate and overthink things, that's when things start breaking down. If you keep things simple and you just, you know, you tick the boxes as and when you need to, things just slot into place. They truly do. Um, but yeah, but like, it's a, you're exactly right in what you say. But people are trying to, well, that almost sounds too simple. There must be something better that makes me want to pull in. But keeping it simple is where it's at. Yeah, straight exactly. to the ground. Yeah. So I know we got, I know we got to, uh, we got to call into this fantastic interview, and I could probably talk for the rest of the day. So, um, how can people get in touch with you, Chris? I know we've mentioned it, but let's fire it off. ChrisDucker.com. It's as simple as that. I am a personal brand business owner. If I don't have that as my one main point of contact, then I shouldn't be teaching people what I'm teaching them. <laughs> so ChrisDucker.com, that's the way to go. Chris, it's been a real, real pleasure. Thanks very much for uh, for doing this. I much appreciate it. It was all my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. And that's it for today's episode of The Turning Point. I'm sure you'll all agree. What a fantastic chat. As ever, I've been your host, Daniel Moore, and today's guest has been the one and only Chris Ducker. And remember, together we can make one of life's biggest challenges that much easier to overcome.